You're listening to The Tales We Tell, a podcast about spooky stories, unsolved mysteries, and local lore. I'm your host, Hannah Parch. And I'm Katie. Welcome back. I wanted to say I'm your host, Hannah Crana. <laughs> you really should. I know. I should at least once or twice. Change it. Hmm. Uh, well, our big news. We have a third corn doll. <laughs> I was a total deer in headlights there for a second. And I'm the one who found the corn doll. We uh, have unlocked something, I think. Which is that there's a there's a secret world of corn dolls. Yeah. There's corn dolls out there galore, apparently. Because yes. there was more there was multiples in the box. I would be willing to buy them off of your friend. I'll I'll ask. Okay. Um, Tell her you got you got someone interested. Yeah. So I went to my knitting club for the first time last week, and the woman I was sitting next to, somebody else brought you know sat down like a plastic bin full of these tapered candles, and I looked over, and you know there are like a couple of reds and oranges. They all seem like fall themed candles. Mm-hmm. Which made sense, since sitting in the pile were a couple of corndles. And I freaked out. And I was like, oh my gosh. And so I got a picture of uh, the current, the the original two corndles. Yes. And I showed her and I was telling her all about with the podcast and you finding the corndles. And she's like, oh, well, here. And she just snags one and puts it down in front of me. And I was like... Okay. And I meant to bring it Sunday, but I forgot. I wonder it was if it would... in my purse, but... Do you think it would fit in that beaker that we have the rose in? Mm-hmm. I just realized. I feel like that ro- that beaker is from, like, Hobby Lobby or something. Yeah. Probably, because that's where I got some of my mad scientist beakers. Oh. I was hoping it would sit up a little bit more, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, well... I mean, you can get some, like... Tape? That sticky tack or something. Yeah, you can put <laughs> some tape and... Just create a layer. We'll we'll figure something. We'll figure it out. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, Katie's friend, if you're listening, I'm in the market for some corn dolls, and I'm happy to buy them from you because it's I'm so excited for this. We're and, gonna have to clear off another shelf because we've I got know. our little shrine shelf. We're gonna but have to make a corn now we shelf. need a corn doll shelf. I know, which I can clear. I mean, that's just notebooks and a, a nun. A couple creepy dolls, a nun, and Carl. Carl, yeah, Carl's Carl up the there. The crocheted crow. The crocheted crow, a humidor that doesn't work, which I like to think is kind of like a Dybbuk box or something. Mm. Yeah, we'll make it work. We'll have a, a shelf of corn dolls. God, my grandkids are in for a real treat one day. <laughs> uh oh, Grandma Hannah Crana died. <laughs> now we have to go through all of her weird shit. <laughs> If my kid, if my grandkids don't want my cornels, I'm gonna be mad. I'm gonna haunt them. You obviously didn't raise them properly. Obviously, I know. God, what's wrong with them? All right, what's our story tonight? <clears throat> well, I'm not today, gonna... whatever time of day you're listening, I'm not gonna tell you. It's gonna be a surprise. Okay. Uh, but I will uh, warn you. I'm gonna warn everyone, specifically my mother-in-law. Uh, it's not a Dante safe episode. So sorry. It's not a safe episode for, well, children, of course. That's what we mean if you're new here. Dante is my nine-year-old, nine-year-old nephew. nephew. 
who listens uh, on occasion. We like to point out episodes that he should not be listening to. So certainly if you're a child, don't listen to this. I would say if you have a, a weak stomach, uh, don't listen, maybe. I'm going to, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put the content warnings in the show notes and I'm going to get to them later, but I don't want to ruin my opener. Okay. So. I'm, I'm here with you. Okay. Uh, listeners, if you're a little bit nervous about what they are, go check the show notes real quick. Yeah. Otherwise, not, yeah. everyone else, <laughs> enjoy the suspense. Yeah. And I won't get, I obviously won't get into anything too horrible mm-hmm. um, before we get to that, but. Well, no, you're really good about kind <clears throat> of glossing over, not glossing over, but just kind of like. Yeah powering through without really diving into yeah. some of the horrible things like whenever unfortunately there's mention of something like animal abuse or mm-hmm. something and we're just like we're gonna mention it and move on yeah so and i will say there is no animal abuse awesome. in this so awesome. huh, we are safe on that um, uh, i have a joke whenever ooh, if we need a palate cleanser okay so this one's for you tony palate cleanser is a uh fun pun um okay oh, goody <laughs> Foreshadowing. I, I will also say to make it a little funner since it's a, a pretty dark one, I'm peppering in some a new fun thing that we I've decided to do. Um Embarrass be- Katie's <laughs> French pronunciation. Well rather than solely embarrass me, because this episode involves several pronunciations not only of French places and names. Oui, mais je parle français un petit peu. Et tu ne parles pas. We'll translate that in post. I said, yes, but I speak a little French. You don't. So that's why it's not embarrassing for you. It's embarrassing for me. Okay. Because I'm... I just... I can't read it. I don't know. practice. Well, you can at least... I wrote... I typed these out for you. They're typed. They're typed. I even made sure I got the accents when there were some. Très bien, très bien. (laughs) Anyways, I have note cards, flashcards for Katie that I'm just going to hand. And a dossier. And a dossier. Uh, so she's going to get French flashcards when necessary. This is actually the second time today, first in text, and then now when you were speaking, that you said French, mm-hmm. and I was anticipating the next word out of your mouth to be fry. <laughs> uh, it's not that I'm particularly hungry or have mm-hmm. food on the brain. I do love French fries, though. Yeah. And so, you know, you fed me mac and cheese before. It's true. And when we were texting earlier and you were talking about the French note cards, <laughs> I I was scanning it and I saw French and I was like, I'm getting French fries tonight? <laughs> oh, unfortunately no. not. Although I am getting potatoes later. Jerk's cooking. We've got some mashed potatoes for dinner tonight. Too. Nice. All right. All right. <clears throat> Let's get this show on the road. Okay. I'm going to set the scene for you. It is Saturday, June 12th, 1981, and we are in Paris, France. Ah, Patty. There's a middle-aged couple taking a late evening stroll through the historic... Uh, Bois de Boulogne? There we go. Boulogne? Boulogne? It's a public park. Okay. It's a large public park in the western part of Paris. Like like, uh, Central Park in New York. Yeah, it's, there's some history to it. Napoleon mm. used to be a hunting ground. Probably way more interesting than Central Park and a lot older, but whatever. So, um, as this couple is walking, they saw a city taxi pull up onto one of the side roads ahead of them and a passenger got out. 
They would later describe the passenger as, quote, a very small and delicately built man. He was also an Asian man in his early 30s. He paid the driver and then struggled to pull two apparently very heavy suitcases out of the trunk of the cab and place them on a small trolley. Apparently not noticing the couple watching him, the man then began dragging the cases further into the park as the cab drove off. And the couple might have continued on their walk at this point, except that then the small man veered off the walking path into the grass and towards the lake, which is called... Lac Inferior. Yeah, sure. That one seems easy. It is the largest lake in this park. Which it implies it's inferior, though. As it in does. The, like, I, I would assume that there's at least two lakes and this is the smaller of yeah, the two. Yeah, it's making me want to double check my research because I'm pretty sure there's a Lake Superior. There is a Lake Superior well, okay. in the United States. <laughs> I'm pretty so. sure there's a Lake Superior somewhere in Paris. Uh, whatever. That's neither here nor there, nor inferior. Okay. See what I did there. Okay. All right. So this man is pulling his trolley with his suitcases towards the lake. He pauses before he gets to the water, possibly admiring the view. And then he finally seems to realize that he's not alone. And he notices that people, or at least this one couple, are watching him. And once he's aware of his spectators, he... Hides the suitcases, meaning he stashes them under a bush, and then he leaves. And the couple... I thought he was planning to dump them in the in the, in the lock. He was. Uh, he's not the brightest okay. of, of criminals, as we will find. So the couple, of course, goes to see what's going on. Mm-hmm. See something, say something. Yes. I mean, it's not an airport, and it's pre-9-11, but unattended bags but, are yeah. still a red flag for these people. Good on them. Yes. So they they pull these suitcases out, and they open one of them. And Katie, I'm going to let you look at your dossier. Awesome. Inside the first suitcase, they found the torso of a woman. I figured, I knew it was going to be body parts. Yeah, there's a, there's a torso in there. <clears throat> that actually looks like a foot. Yeah, that might have been the second suitcase. Okay. Um, spoiler alert, they called the police, and the police came and opened the second suitcase because this couple was smart. Yeah, no, I wouldn't want my fingerprints on they, anymore. Yeah, they found the torso, and they were like, oh, call the police. I mean, they had probable cause, <laughs> yes. and then now the police has more than probable cause yes. to come and take over this investigation. So, in the second oh, suitcase, look. they found the head and the limbs. So, the body... You just said of a woman? Of a woman. Okay. Yes. As yet unidentified. Correct. Okay. The body was taken to the medical examiner's office, and when it was laid out and kind of reassembled on the table, something became chillingly clear. Were these parts that didn't match? No, but that is a good guess. Uh, Were there chunks of meat missing? Yes. Well, when when, uh, we had the little palate cleanser cleanser. foreshadowing, it gave me a pretty good guess as our episode topic. 
There were large sections of flesh that were missing. Slices had been cut from the buttocks, the thighs, the calf, one of the breasts, the neck, the feet, and the tip of the nose. Huh. So, I don't know if I would have gone for some of those places. Yeah. So, because when, when you're talking about chicken breasts, sure, but human breasts, mammalian breasts are very different than chicken yes, breasts. Yes, they are. And and we'll get into, unfortunately, uh, a little bit more science, a little bit more of the details there. I will say that there are, and again, I'm going to get into more detail. There are not, Okay. There are pictures on the internet. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, those pictures from the autopsy table were leaked to the public um, on various occasions. Mm-hmm. The victim was identified. We're going to talk about her. But those pictures are, like, on the internet forever. Mm-hmm. I accidentally saw them when I was, like, watching an interview on YouTube. They just they did not warn me. They just said, here's the pictures. I did not want to see them. I would not encourage anyone to look at them. So basically, if anyone is interested in doing further research on this topic after the episode, be careful when looking through Google Photos. Yes. But it's literally a... Or if you're interested in seeing them, there you go. Yes. But it it is quite literally a partially eaten corpse. Almost as if an animal, like a, a wild animal, has, has gotten a hold of this human body. So that was a question that I kind of wanted to ask, but mm. also kind of didn't. Was it bitten off chunks or cut off They were chunks? cut. Okay. Yeah. So police are uh, fairly competent, thankfully. Oh, good. And <laughs> in this case... We don't get that a lot in our no, stories. No, we don't. Um, and so they had not waited for... Uh, they didn't wait, mm-hmm. necessarily. Uh, so they got the description of this man who dropped off the suitcases. Mm-hmm. They were like, okay, we have a description. We know he was dropped off in a cab. Let's call all the cab companies in Paris and start asking. And within a few days, a driver came forward and was like, oh, yeah, I remember a small Asian man with two very heavy suitcases who wanted to be dropped off at the park. And they were like, oh, great. <laughs> very Excellent. specific. If I cab drivers provided that specific information, I'm sure that that would be, I mean, might be kind of a memorable dude, too. Like a small, kind of frail dude with two heavy suitcases. Well... I don't know. And also, if they got on it, like, that quickly, it's not like they waited weeks and weeks and weeks. Because I imagine cab drivers see a lot of people, and I'm sure that at the end of the day, they probably couldn't tell you half yeah. of their fares, but this but, guy seems like he'd be at least a little bit memorable, yeah. and if somebody asks you about it within a day or two, then yeah. yeah. And how many people are you dropping off at a park with luggage? Mm, that's true. Like, true. see, that's see, that's something this guy would be a little bit memorable. Yeah. He would stick out in your mind yeah. at least a little bit. The pickup location... Rue Erlanger. It's Erlanger hoping, Street. I was hoping you were going to say it with a pretty accent. Rue Erlanger? Thank you. Just kidding. That was pretty. I was going to say Rue Erlanger. Ah, Give it to Katie. All right. So the pickup location that the taxi driver gave was an apartment on Rue Erlanger, uh, which is one of Paris's more affluent districts. And 
coincidentally, there was only one tenant in the building matching the description of their suspect. You may look at your next picture because that tenant was 32-year-old Issei Sagawa of Japan. Not what I was picturing in my head. For some reason, I was thinking older, too. Maybe, like, the, the frail yeah, thing. Yeah, he is. But he's just a skinny dude. He's very, he's, like, five feet tall. Maybe 4'11", I think. And he's just a, yeah, yeah short, so he's small. very thin guy. I yeah. mean, Asian people typically tend to be kind of shorter. Thin, like, yeah. Not not shorter, necessarily, but, like, that thinner, more slim yeah. bone structure and build. That's true. So now I'm going I'm to tell you about him. We're going right. to go back to his, his life. I will say I didn't really look up how to pronounce his name. I think it's Issei. Um, I also don't care. <laughs> yeah. Because I think he's a piece of shit. And I will explain why over the course of the next 45 minutes or so. Thanks for coming to our TED Talk. <laughs> okay. So, Issei Sagawa was born April 26, 1949, in Kobe, I am going to struggle with this, uh, Hyogo Prefecture, Japan. Okay. In Kobe, Japan, if, if you will. Japan it, is fine, too. You know, Kobe. I mean, people know Kobe's a place in Japan, right? It's where Kobe Bryant was named after. <laughs> And we talked about it in the... We, we totally fact-check everything we say here. I am positive Kobe Bryant was named after Kobe Japan. I think I am after not... that joke, we need to clarify that you're just joking. Because nobody can see the face you're making. I'm 99% sure that that's true. Okay. Okay, fact-check me right now. According to Wikipedia, his parents named him after the famous beef... Okay. Kobe, what Japan. the fuck? Okay. So okay, I was... he was. I mean, so like, it wasn't that I doubted you or thought you were wrong. <laughs> the beef so much up. as I thought that you were being facetious. Oh no, yeah. Because I didn't know that he was oh. named after Kobe beef. Oh yeah, but I, I apparently, that. it's it's not so much that he was named after <laughs> Kobe Japan. But Kobe beef. Which is silly. He should have been named after... In Japan. The, the town, city. Okay. Neither here nor there. We're making a lot of food jokes inadvertently, I think. Okay. Sorry mm. if that's a little bit tasteless. Oh, man. Jeez. This is awful. Food puns are the best, though. <laughs> oh, what a what a great episode to celebrate the new addition, the, uh, the addition of a new corndel. There's a there's a detail that I will tell you off mic because it was too horrible for me to include. Uh, that is on very on the nose. Well, you already mentioned that the tip of her nose was missing, so it it's more on the nose than that. So now might be a good time for the palate cleanser oh yeah oh i forgot to give the warning the content warnings also <laughs> I'll insert along those. with talking about kobe beef <laughs> yes my joke oh yeah how do you count a herd of cattle oh i feel like i've heard this one before you use a calculator <laughs> i hadn't heard that one that laugh sounded a lot like critters, by the way. <laughs> I like that. 
why <laughs> I don't know if you're gonna be able to do this one. Why why did the chicken cross the road? I don't know. Because Oh I've seen that one. <laughs> I was gonna tell you that one actually, and I'd forgotten all about it until I saw the cow one. I actually there was a couple of cow ones. Oh man. And uh, that was the only one that I remembered. That one's better when you hear it come from a small child, which mm-hmm. is how I heard it originally. Oh, man. Should I give the content warnings real quick? Is it too late for that? I think it's a little late for that, but, I mean, obviously cannibalism. Cannibalism and just graph- the graphic nature of, yeah. of that are the content warnings. So, his parents were both wealthy, and Issei describes his childhood as, quote, happy and carefree. He was born premature and developed enteritis as an infant, which is inflammation of the intestines. And he struggled with his health his whole life, and he described himself as weak. I think he kind of attributes, like, being born premature Mm -hmm. and just kind of having that kind of problem his whole life of just, he never really was strong or whatever. His parents, he said, were both very loving um, to him and his siblings, but he says he grew up pretty sheltered, specifically about sexual things. For instance, um, he didn't know what an erection was. Until he got one. Until he got one. And he says he didn't know how to masturbate. So I imagine that puberty was confusing. <laughs> Katie's laughing right now. I just read a book, and one of the characters, the, the male character... Uh, is a god. He's the god of death, mm-hmm. and for all time, he like he's aware of sex because he's seen it in you know humanity and whatnot. Uh-huh. But he's never had any interest in it, no urges or whatever. And then he's summoned to the mortal realm, and <laughs> he's now uh, subject to human issues while he's on the mortal plane. So, like, yeah, he has to sleep and he has to eat and pee. But (laughs) it also goes into his first erection. He's like, huh. (laughs) Like, he's both, like, he understands, like, knows what's happening. Yeah. But at the same time is like, well, that's new. (laughs) And uh, he was reading a book at one point. Uh Uh-huh. And then he moves the book, uh-huh. and it brushes against said erection. He's oh. like, well, that's that's an interesting sensation. <laughs> oh, gosh. And so there's just, like, this whole scene of him, like, figuring out how to masturbate. <laughs> and then later when he's talking to the female character, it, it's kind of mentioned. And, uh-huh. like, she asks uh, ask him, like, have you ever had an orgasm? Mm-hmm. And he, like, he says yes. And then, like, when it goes to, like, his inner thoughts, and he's like, you know, thanks to a book and my bumbling <laughs> hand. <laughs> oh, and just the sight of, you know, you in a robe or something yeah. like that. Oh, gosh. I mean, it's just really funny. A virgin god. <laughs> god of death. Just, well, that's new. <laughs> it just, I just love that. I truly enjoyed that book. I mean, I'm not, I don't. I mean, I'm not a guy, so, like... Wait, you're not? (laughs) Remember that whole nine months of pregnancy thing? (laughs) I was trying to make a good joke, and it just wasn't... (laughs) Just wasn't there. Yeah. So, like, I 
I, I can't imagine I, what that experience would be like if you didn't know what to expect going in. True, but also I would argue that uh, your parents don't teach you how to masturbate. So, like, that's... Man, I should have put a warning up front. Like, I hope my parents don't listen to this episode. (laughs) It's a weird one. And I think we're getting too into the weeds on, like, an inconsequential detail. But I think... Like, yeah, you, that's something you, you learn from your friends or hearing, like, older yeah. kids talk about. And then going and doing research on your own. But it's not like he had the internet back then. And, you know, he, he said something about, like, his life was a little bit sheltered. We don't know what, you know, his actual social life and interaction with other kids might have been. Maybe he didn't have a lot of friends to he learn. He didn't, I will say. So, yeah, yeah. He, he probably just didn't have a lot of opportunities to learn these street smarts yeah and again like it's not something your parents are gonna teach you yeah it's something you might learn in a sex ed class but again that would be like he was born in the 40s right 49 49 yeah uh so he, it would have been you just kind of figure 55 out 55 yeah so, 50 to 55 like, there, if if there's any kind of sex ed class yeah. at that time, they're not talking about that. Well, and I don't know. I mean, this might just be a blurb about, you know, him. Um, it He might not be putting too much emphasis on this. Uh-huh. Um, and we might and be we're put, just... Yeah, we might be putting way too much really on it. We're just really hung up on it. Um, so, Again, I think it's because we're not guys, and so we don't... True. We've never been there, and we're like... <laughs> I don't know how that experience would be either. Yeah. I'm just going to move on to my next point. So, from a young age, um, Issei was fascinated with stories and fairy tales where children were eaten by monsters or other people. Mm -hmm. Specifically, Hansel and Gretel was one of his favorites. He also admitted that from a young age, he began having cannibalistic desires that were also sexual desires. In first grade, he remembered seeing, quote, the quivering meat on a male classmate's thigh, end quote, and feeling hungry. Um, But also aroused. But also, yeah, so... And I don't know if if some of this had to do with there being a contrast between him being skinny, because he does talk about mm-hmm. how he sees himself as ugly and skinny, and his classmates maybe having a more muscular... Th- I don't know. They're in first grade. Like, whatever. But he would also later describe it as more of a sexual appetite rather than a physical hunger Mm -hmm. um and not necessarily a desire to hurt someone but a desire to fulfill just nibble a little little (laughs) love bites he's literally said that so weird so (laughs) this this is such a weird one Mm -hmm. um we're having fun with it right (laughs) up and up until a certain point we will in grade school isa didn't have many friends shocker and he remained introverted Instead, he nurtured his fantasies and focused on his studies, inevitably becoming a very good student, but also developing an unhealthy obsession with the idea of consuming beautiful women, 
So he's like specifically fixating on eating women that he finds attractive. I mean, a lot of women mm-hmm. don't mind. Yeah. Not I'm not going that there. kind. <laughs> not that kind. Like not going yeah. there. Okay. Um, so as he got older, it's really hard not to. I know, I know. Just Just keep in mind that he's, he's just where I'm trying to keep it light. And that's the only uh, direction you could really take this because of, oh, I know. Don't worry. We're going to, we're going to, but wait, there's more. Oh man. So as he gets older, he developed an attraction to women that he saw as the opposite of himself. So he sees himself as short. He likes Amazonians. Kind, yeah, kind of. So he sees himself as short and ugly. So he idolizes tall, quote, beautiful Western women. So blonde, tall, strong, strong, healthy. So the WNBA. Sure. Why not? Oh, not Although not he had he had a thing for pale legs. Oh, okay. So, in junior high, he became really obsessed with Grace Kelly. He's probably not the only one. True. He also became really into paintings done by Renoir. Which, okay. This is another quote from him. Tall, healthy-looking Western women became the trigger for my cannibalistic fantasies. To his credit, this is the only time I'm going to give him some credit... He did realize at this at some point that these sexual fantasies were wrong or abnormal abnormal Unhe- problematic unhealthy unhealthy okay they began to become how do i phrase this <laughs> they focused on the sexual aspect and more on the or less of just daydreams and more of like true urges yeah it it began to get to the point where he, it was like that was exclusively the only way he could become aroused. Okay. So it wasn't just one of the things that that got him off. It was yeah. he could only become aroused with this fantasy of violence. Because he had now kind of incorporated not just eating, but like killing someone and eating them. So when he was 15, which would have been 1964, he called a psychiatrist. The psychiatrist was like, okay, you need to come in for some in-person sessions Mm -hmm. because BetterHelp wasn't a thing. Not a sponsor. And it's 1964, so, like... The fact that he's seeking any kind of help is great. Great. And impressive. And it's 1964, so, like, we... I mean, what was the psychiatrist supposed to do? That's how someone calls and tells you this. You say, yes, come into my office. I'll see you. Let's talk. Let's see if we can make sure that you don't act on any of these things. Yes. But Issei was too embarrassed to face someone face to face and so he declined and after that he told his older brother um about these taboo fantasies hoping that that would kind of be an avenue for help but his brother didn't believe him because why would you and so Issei was like well, fine, if no one's going to help. He he essentially said, I tried to get help. No one's going to help me. I'm done. I'm just going to roll with it. Yeah, somebody wanted to help you, but. Yeah. So that's where I'm like, okay, now I no longer have any sympathy for you. Because at, you do have to help yourself a little bit. And 
and we're okay sorry <sighs> all right after high school Issei attended Waco University in Tokyo to study literature, and in 1970, he encountered a tall, blonde German woman, just like on the street, I guess. He became obsessed with her, and particularly with her pale legs, and somehow he found out where she lived. He snuck into her apartment one night and the plan was he was going to knock her out with an umbrella while she slept remember he's not but remember he got caught because he just yeah. took a taxi to the park with some suitcases and then hid them in a bush mm. okay so he was going to knock her out with an umbrella um, and then he was going to get a kitchen knife from her kitchen and then he was just going to cut off a piece of her butt to eat. Mm -hmm. I don't know if his intention was to like kill her with the umbrella or just like he thought he could just like give her a concussion and she'd stay out while he like sliced off a piece of her body. I don't know. See, when we talk about the specific, you know, going for where he's going to get from, that makes me start thinking thoughts that I don't want to think <laughs> because my not my naturally curious and scientific brain is always like I wonder if that's the best cut though you know like do you want the the, the tenderloin or the the rump roast take a drink because he's he's gonna tell you the best cut later oh good yeah thank you Issei, for yeah. answering the questions i don't want to be asking yeah um, i know i'm not the only one also i would i would venture to say it would have it wouldn't have behooved him to perhaps study anatomy medicine some kind of science instead of literature if this is going to be your right? your hot your side hobby that you're doing anyways wouldn't it be funny though if <laughs> he passed out at the sight of blood katie take a drink oh, <laughs> he doesn't okay he doesn't technically pass out at the sight of blood but he does say later that he doesn't like blood Blood kind of freaks him out. Uh, so I'm just it's this guy is an idiot. He's like a fucking asshole dummy. Say that I have already got him totally pegged. Um, okay. So as he is creeping in with this creeping into her apartment mm. with this plan of locating an umbrella, I guess. Nobody really owns an umbrella. I know. If, just... if that was your plan in my apartment, like, good luck if I have an umbrella. I don't yeah. know where my umbrellas are. Well, I mean, we have one by the door, but we did not buy that umbrella. No. Umbrellas did someone leave come it in... at your house? I don't know. <laughs> umbrellas come into your life and stay for a while, and then they leave, mm -hmm. and then another umbrella. It's it's just, life is just a revolving door of umbrellas. Yeah. Because Nowadays, you go to a friend's house and you leave your umbrella, but then the next time you're in a taxi, somebody has left their umbrella and it starts raining, so that's, that's your umbrella. That's your umbrella now. Yep. It's, there's... Also, umbrella's not going to knock anyone out. Okay. No. No. Especially it's... the long ones. Well, and especially if Leverage. somebody very weak is wielding it. I know! The small man! Like, I feel like if you're... They would just wake you up in a bad mood. Yeah. <laughs> it wakes you up angry. 
And confused. And confused. Why did I just get swatted on the head? <laughs> okay, so he's creeping in, and then this is literally, this. these are words that came from his mouth. Well, maybe if you hit with the handle side, not the umbrella side. I still argue you just wake up in a bad mood. Maybe. Again, like, if you hit hard enough, whereas if he's as weak and frail as he says, then... All right, he's creeping in, and his knee touched her stomach. So I don't know how he's creeping for those dynamics to work, but she wakes up, and she finds this tiny man in her apartment with an umbrella and screams and calls the police, and he gets arrested. Um, And he's charged with attempted rape, which was not technically his... Yeah, not um, his true intention. Um, the charges were allegedly dropped because his father paid a settlement to the victim. Because remember, his father is rich. Mm-hmm. But Issei also allegedly called a psychiatrist again after this incident, asking for help and agreeing to come in and be seen now. You probably know this because my therapist told me this the first time I ever saw her. She was like, everything's confidential Unless you tell me that you have an intention to harm someone right. or yourself. Or yourself, yep. So the psychiatrist, like, heard the story and she, and they, I don't know who the psychiatrist was, was like, okay, I have to tell someone about this. Mm-hmm. They told Issei he had crossed an ethical boundary and that he was a public danger. I don't know if they said it in those words. But for some reason... Doesn't seem very productive. Uh, yeah, As for getting him to work with them. Correct. But nothing came of it. So I don't know if the psychiatrist reported the incident and the police were like, oh, we know we've already arrested him. I don't know if Issei said, okay, well, I just won't come back. You know, like, I don't know. Nothing happened. Okay. So after this... Issei gets his bachelor's degree, and then he goes on to get his master's degree in English literature at Kwanze Gakuen University, which is also in a place in Japan. (laughs) And after he graduated uh, with his master's, he decided to take a little break before he went on to get his PhD, Uh because all he's doing is just going to school. Academia is a way of life. I mean, listen, if I had the funds to just go to school for years and years, I would. So he decides to take his little gap year and go on a cruise to Greece. And while he's on this cruise, he befriends a couple, one of whom is a butcher. The husband is a butcher. Mm-hmm. And the butcher, allegedly on this cruise, tells Issei in some detail how to cut up meat. I don't know how true this is. Mm -hmm. This is all from Issei's mouth. He said that after his arrest in 1981... Yeah, but I know what's been going into Issei's mouth. I'm a little bit worried about what's coming out of it, too. Uh, Issei said that after his arrest in 1981, he sent the butcher a thank you note. And the butcher never wrote him back. Which I'm like, get some (gasps) social skills, Issei. No. It makes you, like, wonder and worry, like, when I hear things like this. Mm -hmm. Because then there's, like, the happy stories of good things happening where, you know, random people that you encounter, you know, touch your life in a meaningful way. Like, 
I'm sure we've all got at least one person that we're like, oh, you know, that stranger on the bus or that person I talked to for yeah. a few minutes in line at the coffee shop. The you lady know. at the mailing and shipping store next to the Sally's. Really? She told me I was pretty one day. And had a very, you know, positive impact on your life, whether it was just making your day better or it could have, like, really inspired some change or something. I love to think about those stories about, you know, whenever I encounter random people and, you know, have an interaction or something. Yeah. But when we hear stories like this, <laughs> it makes me worry about, like, oh, who have I I'm, encountered I'm, that has led to not good things like i mean granted like the interaction between isei and this butcher mm-hmm. i mean it probably was a, a very you know like yeah. just like a nice thing like the the butcher is like this is my job and i enjoy it and you know i'm happy to talk about this yeah. interest of mine not thinking this other guy's gonna yeah take it in a completely different way so it's just like ooh. Have I ever innocently talked about, like, today I got to talking to a mom when I, at daycare about, you know, the solid foods. Because Walker is, like, ten and a half months old. He loves his solids. Like, meatballs <laughs> are his favorite food. He but, is a meatball. He is a meatball. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, he eats all these solids. And her baby is her fourth child. He's almost a year. And she's still nervous to give him, like, solid solids. I'm like, when do you start feeding solids to your other kids like when they have all their teeth because she asked how many teeth walker has i was like well the bottom two are fully in he just started getting the top two but they're not all the way down yet and she's like really and i'm like yeah. i mean and she's like and he can eat these you know things and i'm like kid loves cheerios she's like really and i'm like yeah, he just gum them up enough then they start to dissolve and get soggy he's fine but you know, like I that sounds like just like a fun positive yeah. interaction. I don't know what she might turn around and do with it. She's gonna be the, the gum gummy killer. Ugh. I can't think of a nefarious way for no, her to use that no. information. I'm thinking of how many people I've told your chicken wire trick to. Oh yeah, that one. And uh I'm I'm a little concerned about that. I share probably too much of that to too many people. I share too much of everything with yeah. everyone. It's just in my nature. I should probably stop telling people about that one. Okay, moving on. In 1977, Issei moves to Paris. Because he is pursuing his PhD in literature at... Ah, the Sorbonne. 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 University. A university in Paris. It's the Sorbonne. Sorry, the Sorbonne. It's pretty famous. Okay, I didn't know about it. I had to look it up. By this time, Issei says that his desire to eat a woman had become an obligation. Which, no it wasn't, but whatever. I mean, if you're to that point of believing that, then you should be in a facility. I agree. You should definitely be in an institution getting round-the-clock care and treatment and supervision. Yeah. So he began bringing sex workers home to his studio apartment with the intention of killing them Mm -hmm. so that he could eat them. Um, Because he realized that in order to fulfill this, quote, obligation... He needed to get 
a woman. He, <laughs> well, he realized that he would have to kill someone. Mm-hmm. This is another quote from him. It became less about wanting to eat them, more about an obsession with the idea that I simply had to carry out this ritual of killing a girl no matter what. And I will say he talks a lot about, he says later that, that, which I don't want to give him any more credit than I, mm-hmm. I can, but he says, you know, because he talks about it like it's a sexual fetish. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says if he could, he would prefer to like eat someone alive. He doesn't necessarily want to kill them. Right. It's this act of eating them that is a sexual thing for him. And that was something that I was definitely getting too, was right. that it's it's not about the thrill of the kill. Like he he doesn't have any interest in taking someone's life. Right. It's it's the other aspects. This is just an, an un, unfortunate necessary step. Yes. You gotta crack a few eggs to make an omelet. Right. So he's um, realizing now a human omelet. Oh, <laughs> so bad. And I mean, I know you don't want to give him any kind of credit, but you know, people are multifaceted. You know? Well, they're, you know, bad people can be capable of doing good things or having good aspects, just like good people do bad things and still have bad traits or bad whatever. Well, and we've said it before that, like, you know, you can have your kinks, but you can't have your kinks that and eat them too. <laughs> that should be on a shirt. You can't have your kinks and eat them too. Uh, you can't have your kinks if when they start to disregard human life. Mm-hmm. Because something he also says, and I I promise I will tell you why I know so much about what he says, is, is essentially that that it, it he <laughs> it's that. That, oh gosh, that, okay, so that his victim basically wasn't a person to him. And if Mm -hmm. he had known her just a little bit better, he wouldn't have been able to eat her. But he simply, he wanted to eat her because he had the, he was like so horny. Slaughtering a farm animal. Doesn't really want to do it, but he can do it until you tell him that the animal's name is Bessie. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's, I mean, if you, if you look at it like some other kind of sexual kink, Mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, you can have that kink, but you still have to humanize the, the person that you are, are doing that with. You can't look at that person like an object. Unless it's a degradation kink. Well, and if that person is giving consent. Yeah. I mean, as long as everyone is, is consenting Mm -hmm. adults, yes, we're for it. In this case, these people are not consenting adults. See, and I think that's the. The point that's to be made, not yeah. about the dehumanizing thing. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm yeah. not into degradation. Yeah, okay. not at all. But that that is yeah. dehumanizing that's true. In, in some ways. It's yeah. not always. Yeah, but anyhow. Anyway, okay, moving on. I'm not that involved in the kink community to fully know the ins and outs of it. But Katie just reads a lot. I just read a lot. <laughs> All right, so uh, he's bringing these sex workers up to his apartment all the time. So after he would have sex with a woman, he said he had this particular, like, image. While they were washing at the bidet, he would get his rifle and he would aim it at the back of their head without them knowing. 
but he was never able to make himself pull the trigger. And he said that it wasn't about morals. Morals weren't stopping Mm -hmm. him. He had no qualms with taking a life. It was, he knew that once he did, everything would change. And that his world would probably fall apart. He'd probably get caught eventually. That was what was stopping him. It was a selfish, his world would fall apart. Not, this is a a human person. their life would end. Because he did that so often, he had this association of, I see a woman washing at the bidet, pointing a gun at her. Mm -hmm. Keep that in mind. Issei also said that most of the women he met in Paris were, quote, stuck up and out of his league. Which I would argue that everyone's out of your league if your end goal is to eat them. But then he met Renee Hartevelt, a classmate at the Sorbonne. 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 Okay. You can look at your next picture. Renee was a 25-year-old Dutch woman, and he described her as friendly and warm. She's pretty. I know. She's very pretty. They became friends, and eventually, Issei began inviting Renee over to his apartment. And one day, he saw her washing her hands at the sink. I know. And he immediately thought of sex workers washing themselves at the bidet and began associating her with his ritual. So now she became the object of his fantasies and obsession. Exactly. Whereas before, it was interchangeable women. Yeah. So before, it was just anyone, and now... He has specifically targeted in Mm -hmm. on Renee. He's obsessed with, she has to be the one. Mm -hmm. So after that, every time he would have Renee over, he would find a way to get behind her and point a rifle at her head without her knowing. But he was never able to pull the trigger. And then one day, one of his father's employees came to Paris and took Issei out for sushi Issei said that he was so nervous the whole time that he was going to get food poisoning from the sushi and that he would not be able... Such an odd concern. I know. Well, he was concerned because Renee was coming over the next day. And if he got food poisoning, he would not be able to, quote, realize the fantasy that I'd been obsessing about for 32 years. And he said that kind of, like, kicked him in gear. So when he didn't get food poisoning, Renee came over... He finally pulled the trigger, but the gun jammed and it didn't go off. And somehow Renee didn't hear the click. The click. Probably because the faucet was running and, you know. But I was on the edge of my seat. I know, there. right? <laughs> Great storytelling. Thank you. But instead of this being like the reality check that anyone else would have. Yeah, the um, wake up call. The wake up call. This incident made Issei even more determined. Mm-hmm. So he invited Renee over two nights later, telling her that he had an assignment from a per- professor that involved translating German poetry and asked if she could help because she was fluent in German. Of course she is because she's perfect angel. So she was sitting at his desk reading poetry into like a recorder for mm-hmm. him when he shot her in the back of the neck, killing her instantly. Small mercy there. I know. Okay. So when and why did he switch from I'll just knock them out 
you know, knock them unconscious with an mm-hmm. umbrella to obviously I have to use a rifle, not a handgun, but a rifle to shoot them in the back of the head. I don't know. Maybe he realized that an umbrella really wasn't going to wasn't going unconscious. Yeah, and I assume at some point he realized that an unconscious person would Might wake up wake if, up. if yeah. you're slicing pieces of flesh from them. I would. I don't know. Maybe he took a single anatomy class or like I don't know. read a book about how nerves work or something. I don't know. He appears to be intelligent in the in the book sense. Yeah. But okay, do you this is going to be a horrible comparison. Knowledge and intelligence are different things. Yeah. He can, yeah, he can have a lot of knowledge. Yeah. and do well at school and still not be very intelligent. Did you ever watch the show The Middle? Yes. Okay. A little bit here and there, I think. <laughs> do you remember Brick, the younger kid who's like mm-hmm. weird? Okay. That's, like, my go-to, like, happy show that I watch if I just need, like, a, a distraction. So, his parents sent him to, like, I can't remember what they're called. They're, like, social classes. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, teaching him how to, like, be social and, like, have friends. And there's, like, the kid in the class that thinks he's a cat. And, like, the kid in the class that's a biter, even though he's, like, 12. Like, that's the kind of class I'm, like, that's what Issei should have been in. To, like, teach him how to, like, talk to people mm-hmm. and not... These are the <laughs> subjects that you do talk about. These are the subjects yeah. that you don't talk yeah, about yeah, yeah. unless you're with, like, close friends. That was like, literally something I think that was brought up in the social class. <laughs> but Brick is also like that, where he's, like, mm-hmm. smart. He reads all the time. Mm-hmm. He's, like, very, very book smart, but he doesn't understand social cues. Yeah. He also wouldn't eat anyone, because... Brick's not he's like a sweetie. Her. Yeah, he's a sweetie. But he's obsessed with fonts. He's just... It's a great show. Everyone should go watch it again if you haven't. It's been a long time since I've seen an episode. And even then, I've probably seen, like, a season's worth of episodes. <sighs> it's on here HBO and there. if you have that. And there's, like, 12 seasons. So it's a good little uh, in the background. I thing. just like it for the dad. The janitor. Yeah, from Scrubs. He's a... He's a silver fox. Mm-hmm. A salt and pepper fox is mm-hmm. my new my new thing. I, I'm really kind of looking forward to the day Jared gets a little pepper in his beard. So Wait. A little salt in his beard. There you go. He's already got the pepper. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Sorry. I needed to give us a little break because things are about to get a little gnarly. I wish I had another cow joke. It's utterly devastating that you don't. <laughs> okay. Okay. So Issei claims that he passed out from shock after killing someone. Good for him. Yeah, I know. When he came to, he was a little taken aback to find that he didn't have the exact same burning desire for a corpse that he had for a living woman. Um, so this goes back to he really wanted to eat someone alive. Mm-hmm. It was kind of inconvenient that he had to kill someone. But it was a small inconvenience this would do. Mm-hmm. Um, so he immediately undressed Renee's body. That's like looking forward to going out to dinner all week at this one restaurant. Yeah. Like, I'm going to get a steak. And then you get there and they sit the steak down in front of you and you're like, 
I'm not craving this anymore. Yeah. I'm still going to eat it, but... Yeah. So, he immediately undresses her and tries to just take a bite. Just with his teeth. Mm. Out of her right buttock. Um, He says he chose the right one because the left one was closest to the heart and he was, quote, scared of blood. There's your scared of blood. Um, And he chose the butt because it looked, quote, most delicious to him. So this is just him having a fetish for butts and Mm -hmm. thinking that they look tasty. And not understanding that they're made of fat. So, like, he, there's another thing where he, again, I'm getting ahead of myself. So we mentioned when the body was found that one of the breasts was cut off. Mm -hmm. Like, he realized that, like, that didn't translate into, like, something that would taste good. It's like, yeah, no f***ing you dumb piece of shit. Fat in glands. It's a fatty tissue, you dumb piece of shit. Like I said earlier, a chicken breast is not the same thing as a human breast. Or any other mammal. I... Don't like to think of myself as a violent person, but I want to kick his stupid face until there's nothing left. Okay, I'm sorry. And this is also the man who didn't know what an erection was. This is true. So how are we supposed to expect him to know anything at all about female anatomy if he doesn't even fully understand his own anatomy? Reading books. Read a fucking book. Take a biology class. Ask one of the sex workers. <laughs> They'll talk to you. Oh my gosh. Okay. So um, so he tries biting into it directly, but he wasn't able to. So he has to go find a knife. In an interview, Issei said that he left the house and like went to the market and had to get like a car like a curved butcher knife specifically hmm. for this. Other sources says he just went to his kitchen to get a knife. I don't know. Anyways, he gets a knife. He carves several pieces. He eats several pieces raw. Um, At this point, he becomes so aroused that he sexually assaults her body. There, again, are some details that I'm not going to share. My sources are in the show notes. If you guys want to look into that yourself, the YouTube is the, uh, one of the vice interviews. You're going to have to sign into YouTube for it. And you're going to have to click agree on something acknowledging that, you know, it's offensive. Just a heads up. That's also the one that has the pictures that has the pictures. So just be aware. I was in a coffee shop when I watched it. Be aware, but just like, Seriously, the details are just not there. Um, They're, sorry, they're there. They're Mm -hmm. just, they're not good. So, he then drags her body into the bathroom and begins dismembering her piece by piece. He cuts off the portions that he wants to save for later and wraps them in plastic and puts them in his refrigerator. It's funny he was worried about getting food poisoning from the sushi but not eating raw human flesh. Then he removes Especially from the buttock where bacteria is going to be. I know. And he's, ugh, he's so stupid. He's just like, oh, it's pretty. I want to eat it. It's, there's a, like a name for that response. Whenever you see like a cute baby or a cute puppy, you're like, oh my God, you're so cute. I just want to eat you up. Yeah. 
it's it's like he has that but on a literal level meth oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, a, and an adult version whereas or in it's bath like, salts oh, what a or cute little baby just want to gobble you up and it's like oh what a beautiful woman i want to eat you alive yeah it's it's so unnerving mm-hmm. that's what we do here hannah <laughs> i know i know so he removed her legs, her arms, and her head in the bathtub. Over the next few days, he got rid of her clothes, except for her pants, which he kept as a trophy. Weird. Uh, I hope if I get murdered... Don't let someone keep my pants as a trophy, please, Katie. Not my pants. Yeah, it's that's the, a weird one. My pants are the least attractive items of I mean, clothing I own. Maybe owned. he figured keeping her underwear was too cliche. It's just seriously, just promise me, Katie, promise me. I promise. If it, let them keep my bra. I'm wearing a cute bra today. Let them keep the bra, the underwear, the shirt, the panty. I don't, like, I don't know. So, not my pants. I will make sure, and I will avenge you if they do try to Thank keep you. your pants. I will assault them in court when they're inevitably standing trial for Thank your you. murder. I appreciate that. No problem. Okay. Be like, uh, your honor, I'd like to add an extra 30 <laughs> years to their sentence for attempting to keep her pants as a trophy, and I will also be taking the pants back. Thank you. And I'll go, would you rather me bury them or burn them? Just, well, I mean, if they're not, if they're not in bad shape, donate them. Honestly, they're good. I mean, these are good quality pants. They're out of stock everywhere. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. But, you know. The reason I suggested burning Mm -hmm. uh, is because some other person could be like, ooh, I admire the horrible fiend who murdered her. Uh, I'm going to go try and reclaim these pants, his trophy. Oh, yeah. No, if they're in bad shape, just burn them. It's like buying, uh, what's his face's gun? George Zimmerman. Oh. I was like, anyone's gun. (laughs) There's a lot of people whose guns you can buy. No, like how they auctioned off. Did they do that? Yeah, I remember somebody bought the gun that George Zimmerman used to kill Trevor Mormon. That is disgusting. Yeah, it is. And so that's why I just wanted to make sure that if some horrible murderer killed you and kept your pants as a trophy, I wanted to make sure that when they inevitably got caught, Mm -hmm. no other person that admired this sicko was like, I want those pants. Yeah, good point. Yeah, no. If they're if they're bloody or, or messed up, you can uh, just burn them. You can burn them. That's that's cool. Mm-hmm. All right. So he keeps her pants. Um, he purchases two large suitcases and puts her dismembered body parts inside of them, wrapped up in bed sheets, as we saw. Um, he even goes to the movies during this time with some of his classmates, appearing quote relaxed and in robust good humor. Well, yeah, he's probably relieved because he's finally he's been obsessing about this thing yeah for years and years and years and it's it's probably like a weight has been lifted yeah that he's finally gotten to experience this thing that he has been thinking about and like no remorse at all for having a this body in your in your apartment studio apartment like nowhere to go he came home from the movies that night and made himself dinner of Renee. Of Renee. He, he took and, and, like, cooked it. Good that he's cooking it now. Yeah. 
he described the meat as odorless with no gamey smell or, uh, or taste, sorry, no gamey smell or taste like whale or beef sometimes has. I don't find beef to have a, have a gamey taste. Mm-mm. He no, said venison. Sure. Yeah. Rabbit. Sure. Never had rabbit. He said it became sweeter after a few days and tasted a bit like veal, which we've heard before. Yep, have heard that one. He described the neck and the tongue as the best parts. The tongue he ate raw. I do enjoy cow tongue. Lengua. Gross. It's delicious. You know what part he said wasn't good? The butt. Just, just the, just, okay. I don't the, know if... You already said he didn't enjoy the breast. Uh, the nose? No. I don't know if you can think back to, to the parts that were missing. Uh, well, you said parts of the calf mm-hmm. and the thighs. Mm-hmm. Uh, butt and breast. Think, think of how dumb this guy is that he would try these parts. Ears? Soles of the feet. Oh, that's right. I... Don't know if I even heard that one. It's probably hung up on Why other would parts. You look at someone's feet, the soles of their feet, and be like, "Oh, I bet those taste good." No. So when the suitcases began to smell, Issei realized that he needed to get rid of them. So he called a cab to take him to the Bois de Boulogne. Boulogne. There we go. Boulogne. There, yeah, yeah, something like that. And when the cab driver. Uh, loaded the suitcases into the trunk. He was a, a jovial guy, I guess, and he remarked on how heavy they were and jokingly said, oh, what, do you have bodies in here? <laughs> oh. Yeah. Ouch. And I bet he regretted that. Yeah. I'll take a little top off. Man, if I had known, I would have brought a Chianti. <laughs> oh, man. That's good. Thanks. Mm-hmm. All right. So, after his arrest, because this now brings us back to our beginning, Mm -hmm. after his arrest, Issei readily confessed to his crime. I feel so bad for Renee. Mm -hmm. I'm glad that she was identified. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm also very relieved that she was the only one. Yes. The only victim. Yes. Because so, so many stories like this, it's like, they're caught, but this is their seventh victim. Yeah. So. Well, you're, we're not, we're not quite done. Oh. So. I spoke too soon. Just keep going. So, okay. So, uh, Issei claimed that now that he had fulfilled his fantasy, he would never have to kill again. He won and done. And Issei's father... I don't think that's true, though. <laughs> Issei's father got... Well, you know, like, once you have sex, you you never have to... You never have sex again. Oh, satisfied that curiosity. I'm yeah! Good. As everyone knows, the one time. <laughs> and I was lucky the one time I ever had to do you it, I got, I got that's pregnant. So, I mean, man, I hope the Stars one time I have lie. sex, I get pregnant. <laughs> You mean you're not already a week pregnant? <laughs> I hope not. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Issa's father got him a top-notch defense attorney, obviously. Mm-hmm. 
And the judge, here's your name. Louis uh, Brugieres? Sure. Brugieres? I might have to say his last name a bunch, so. Just Bru- call him Louis. Louis. Well, there's another, well. We'll okay. call him Louis, okay. and the other one we'll call him Louis. Okay. Judge Louis. Judge Louis flew to Japan to interview Issei's family, his doctors, and his psychiatrists to, like, try to get a feel for what's going on. So I guess even the one that he, like, just made a, the phone call and the other one, it was still, there was still some record of yeah, it. Yeah. All right, so. cool. That's good. Yeah. Because, so, I mean, I can imagine, you know, him just calling up a psychiatrist and talking on the phone for a few minutes and mm-hmm. they're not... Like, not starting, like, a patient file or any official record or something. So, the judge is doing his research, Mm -hmm. and in 1982, before the case made it to trial, Judge Lewis Mm -hmm. declared that he believed Issei to be suffering from, quote, advanced dementia, and that he should be confined to... Henri Colline... uh, Colin... Great. The Henry Cullen something for difficult maladies. (laughs) At the time, it was called the Henry Cullen Asylum for the Criminally Insane. Now it is known as the Henry Cullen Unit for Difficult Patients. Essentially a psych ward. So, Issei is committed to mm-hmm. Henry Collin, mm-hmm. or Henri Collin, indefinitely, essentially. And while he's there, Collin. he writes a memoir of sorts, mostly for himself, mostly kind of as a form of therapy. Problem, yeah. But there was huge public interest in his case, um, especially since it never went to trial. And is this how you know so much about what he thought? And... Sort of. Did you buy his memoir? <laughs> no, I did not buy his memoir. <laughs> Japanese writer Inihiko Yamota eventually came to visit him and expressed interest in his memoir and eventually convinced Issei to let him publish it. Yamoto took the book to his agent and published the memoir using the title In the Fog, and it immediately became a bestseller and Issei became a celebrity. In 19... Yay, just what we need to do. Glamorize these sick people. In 1985, the Paris Match, which is a magazine, somehow got the crime scene photos of Renee. Mm-hmm. And by crime scene photos, I mean the autopsy photos. And published them. It was widely considered in poor taste. One journalist was arrested. A quarter million copies of the magazine were seized. But it only increased public interest uh-huh. in the case because people... Because now it's, you know, taboo. Yeah. And people love uh-huh. the macabre. Well, it's like, you know, oh, so-and-so celebrities' nudes got leaked. Mm-hmm. Or there's a sex tape out there and, like... You know, it just... It just... Yeah. But this particular incident also convinced the French government that they didn't want to be responsible for housing Issei anymore, and they deported him back to Japan. 
In Japan, he was first kept at the Matsuzawa Hospital, where he was examined by various medical professionals, and they determined that he was not insane and that he had killed simply for sexual pleasure. And because of this, they tried to get the legal paperwork from Judge Lewis Mm -hmm. uh, to pursue criminal charges because they deemed he was legally fit, so he Mm -hmm. should go to trial. But, for whatever reason, Judge Lewis refused to release his paperwork. So, I'm going to try to explain what I think the loophole is. So, he's in, like, this weird jurisdictional legal purgatory like limbo yes where he's been like declared he's unfit in france yeah but fit in japan but japan can't prosecute him right but they also don't want to keep him locked up whereas france france doesn't want to yeah prosecute but doesn't want to, but also doesn't want to house him anymore. Right. So, my best guess, because this is what was cited, is that possibly it had to do with a precedent that was set in nineteen by a 1980 case, because that was most recent, mm-hmm. um, by Louis Althusser? Althusser? Mm-hmm. Great. This is a man who Althusser. killed... <laughs> Althusser? Althusser? Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a man who killed his wife, but was deemed insane and committed to a hospital. And he was placed... Uh, sous tutelle? Sous tutelle. What do you think it means? I don't know. Under guardianship. Uh, which has been is... so long since <laughs> I've taken French, and I... I got the sous part. Yeah. Like tutelage. Yeah, tutelage. Yeah, and I knew that. Yes, he was. <laughs> I only know that from friends, and sous chef. Yeah. So essentially, it means he was his rights, his legal rights were he given. He was the Brittany of France. Yes, yes. So he was Britney Spears. His rights were given mm-hmm. to someone else. He didn't have any legal rights. They were given to someone else, a, a representative. Right. Um, and he was granted a. Non lieu. Non which just means a case dismissal. Essentially, or presumably, under French law, Issei was considered, I think he was still considered uh, sous tutelle. Therefore, he couldn't be tried f- for the crime in Japan. Okay. Or maybe, or I think maybe. Or maybe they were like, we'll just drop everything if you keep him in Japan. And keep him away. Yeah. Or they had, like, already closed the case. I don't know. But regardless, they weren't able to try him in Japan. And so on August uh, 12th, 1986, Issei Sagawa was released as a free man. Since his release, Issei has written several more books. Remember, he's got... Well, maybe it was good that he studied literature in in school instead of anatomy. Jeez. In 1989, the media approached him about writing an article on his thoughts about uh, Sutomu 
Miyazaki, who was a serial killer and alleged cannibal who had recently been caught. Is that the guy with the long hands and the weird wrist? I don't know. I just kind of Googled him for a second to figure out who he was. Uh, But that brought in a good chunk of cash for him. He was approached by a manga artist about doing a comic book specifically about his murder of Renee. Which... See, this, honestly, to me, might be the most stomach-turning part of the story. Yeah. It's... It's... This is... Society is disgusting. It is. We... It, people will, like, you know, talk shit about the Coliseum days. Mm-hmm. No. no this, nothing yeah. has changed. Yeah. Nothing no, has changed. This is absolutely worse. Because people will buy it. Mm-hmm. And, like, it. it's... <sighs> He was invited to paint with a Japanese artist named Kazumasa Nakagawa. He began painting portraits of women, obviously. And he eventually got a manager who sold his artwork for him. He published a book. This is that's what I'm talking about there. Buying the artwork. Yeah. Like, the the story of the the books is one thing. Mm-hmm. But artwork. Mm-hmm. I don't know. If well, John Wayne Gacy about. sold artwork from prison. Yeah. Like, that's that's the same thing with yeah. the George Zimmerman gun. Yeah. Bullshit. The, and buying your trophy pants. Yeah, of course, my trophy pants, which will... Which, which, honestly, if you can get a good price for them and the money goes to, you know, yeah. set, up, set up a foundation. All right. You know, all will If you them. get murdered, I'll auction off your pants. Thank you. Okay, yeah. As long as the money goes to a good cause. I will. I mean, leave me a couple suggestions. Oh, okay, yeah. I'll I'll put that in the Google Doc that we never look at. <laughs> he also published a book with his psychiatric records and the crime scene photos in it. He said in an interview, oh, this probably shouldn't have been published because it's got these awful pictures in it. But well, that journal in France had already released them. Yeah. Uh, but he's people buy it and people ask him to sign it because they know who he is. He's been interviewed multiple times, including several times by Vice, which is where I got all of my quotes. There's at least three interviews by Vice uh, that are out there, one of which is the video on YouTube, uh, one of which is a longer printed one. He has said several times that he does not feel remorseful about what That's he did. That's one of the questions I was getting ready to ask, too. Yep. Um, he said he still feels cannibalistic urges. He still wants to eat women. So I didn't write this down, but he said he he thinks that if people knew how good human meat tastes, that specifically that men would be eating women all the time. That would men would be killing and eating women all the well, time. Well, men are disgusting. Men are disgusting, I'm, but he's also like a misogynistic I'm, ass. Yeah, I'm. I was making a joke. Yeah, I know. He's also starred in, like, he's been in, like, pornos. Like, like, he's just... What? Yeah, he's just, like, capitalizing on this nasty, like... He's capitalizing on a woman's death. Yeah. Not just her death, her murder. Yeah. He says that he wishes he had been given the death penalty, which I don't think he really wishes that. Because he doesn't feel remorse. No, he doesn't feel remorse. regret for, like, he's living high on the hog right now. He claims that he has, like, a masochistic fantasy, but I don't think that's true either because he's a coward. He says that his ultimate fantasy is to be 
torn apart alive by a beautiful woman. Okay, that was an actual thing in this movie, Return of the Living Dead. One of the characters is saying how it would think the worst way to die would be to be torn apart. And she's, like, really sexualizing it. And Mm -hmm. then, actually, she does, like, strip down completely naked and dances through a graveyard. It's a weird movie, but it's a Mm. great movie. It's so... It it is so B-horror. It's spectacular. (laughs) Uh, Maybe we'll do that on a movie night. Oh, yeah. Uh, But then it happens later on in the movie. Oh, great, great. Because zombies. Oh, of course. I think he literally just said that for shock value. Because I I think he's a, a... I think he's a coward, and I think he's scared of pain, mm-hmm. and I don't think and that... blood makes him queasy. Yeah, and blood makes him queasy. Like, what? Anyways, he died three months ago. Good. He literally was alive until three months ago, which makes me... So... He lived through most of COVID, Katie! <sighs> Sorry. <laughs> he died of pneumonia on November 24th, 2022. At the age of 73, uh, he lived out his remaining years with his brother, and his funeral was attended by his family. And I looked and could not find anything, which just breaks my heart, about Renee's family. That's one thing I've been thinking about too is while he's been getting all of this notoriety and fame and you know i still can't get over the whole starring in porn but being approached by manga writers Mm -hmm. i mean it's one thing if the manga writer comes up with this story of this cannibalistic killer on their own Mm -hmm. but like, really glamorizing someone who actually did it is yeah. a different level to me. Well, and I don't know how... Meanwhile, poor Renee's family. I know. That's that's who I kept thinking about the entire time you're talking about all of this yeah. glamorous bullshit. Well, and that's, I mean, obviously one of the reasons why I don't want to include the pictures is because she's someone's daughter. Mm-hmm. And she was, what I say, 25? When she was killed, and now her her poor family, I cannot imagine, A, ever having to see that picture once, mm-hmm. or that image once, but let alone knowing that it's on the internet forever. Forever. Literally forever. Not just that, but it's been published in magazines. It's been published well, in a book. Likely, hopefully, her parents have been deceased for yeah. a little while now. But um, good grief. Maybe before pictures really made it onto the internet or before they were aware that the pictures were on the internet at least yeah but it's it was and then just like his whole attitude if i mean because the the one vice interview that was the youtube video is just is him talking and he's just he's just so nonchalant like Part of him knows... He's desensitized. Yeah, it's like, part of him knows, that like, yeah, it's it's like a weird fetish. But he just talks about it like, oh, yeah, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a big deal, you know. And he, he talks about it in this matter-of-fact way, and it's just like, I've never wanted to, like, kick so someone's face until all of their teeth fell out. It, it's so much. And I, I, 
I mildly regret that he's dead and I can't do that. And I know that's a terrible thing to say, but you know, it, it's just... But ugh. I think at the, at the time of these interviews, though, he probably was even more of a monster at that point because he was a monster of society's making at that point. Yeah. Because they, you know, we have glamorized him and, like, he has gotten all this notoriety and fame and special treatment and, like, he's been rewarded for this. Yeah. And so, yeah, having to talk about it over and over again, he's absolutely, you know, like, probably withdrawn himself from the fact that he was actually there and pulled the trigger and actually took someone's life. He is probably, yeah, he was probably already a bit removed from it in that moment. But after years of going over it, he probably was just so far removed that he might have had... Maybe not remorse or regret, but I'm sure he he possibly had some sort of natural human emotions after killing Renee. Yeah. But now, after all of this, there's no way he does. Yeah. It's just... Well, I'm gonna... Guess what I'm gonna go home and have for dinner. Oh, no. What are you gonna have? Ribs. Oh! Man... I'm surprised he never went for the ribs, right? I know. Well, uh, what's his face did? Gary. Mm-hmm. Uh, Heatnik. I know. And then I, I realized when I was getting in, I was like, man, I've done two, two, uh, two cannibals in the new year already. We're not even through January and I've hit two cannibals already. Sorry. Mm-mm. I broke them up with a, with a good... Last week was fun. Well, we did restart the the new year a couple of times, so That's I true. think technically we had one in the first new year and then one in the second new year. That's true. That's true. So, all right. Well, plus um, we got a new corndole, so it's all it's not all bad. I am so excited about that corndole. I'm gonna find. I might spend my weekend finding the perfect little uh, corndole holder. Corndole holder. I wonder if I could make one out of clay. I have the perfect corndel holders, but I'll have to find them in the attic. Ooh, okay. There's two of them. Okay. They're pilgrims. <gasps> There's a boy pilgrim and a girl pilgrim. <laughs> okay, points if the boy pilgrim can look like the corndel is. I think it's. I think he's standing next to a pumpkin, and the corndel sits in the pumpkin. All right, that's fine. That'll work. That'll do, I guess. Also, can we talk about how Abe is, like, disgruntled, staring off in a distance for this? He is offended by the corndoles. He has got his <laughs> I thought he was back, offended by the story. Back fully to the corndole. Yeah. Abe's not a looking off in the way. Well, that was fun for all, <laughs> I'm sure. Surely. Uh, hope no one was eating when they were listening to it. And I was about to say, I'm hungry. <laughs> You're gross. It is past my dinner I know. time. You, I thought you said you were going to be, you were going to have eaten before you came over. No, the critter ate. Oh. He has his dinner when we get home from daycare, and then oh. he gets his bedtime bottle. I haven't eaten. I'm about to eat, too. What you <laughs> See? So. See? Stop trying to make me look like that. I'm, I'm the freak. I'm going to put on my comfy pants. At least pants. I'm not the only freak. I'm going to take off the coveted jeans and uh, put on. 
You're not allowed to throw those at you. You have to give them to me. They're now my trophy pants. Well, I'll, I'll keep them preserved. Okay. Hopefully, God, I hope the day that I get murdered, there it's a day I just washed the jeans and it's not like day six and they're all stretched out. I hope that you have moved on from those jeans before you <laughs> get murdered. As in, like, you don't get murdered for a very long time. Yeah, true. Or that these jeans hold up for or a very long time. I hope that you don't get murdered. That too. That too would be good. All uh, right. It's getting weird. We need to go. Yeah, but sorry. Tell everyone our socials. Uh, if you want to find a few appropriate pictures from today's episode, you can Including check... the new Corndle. Including the newest Corndle. Yes. And Renee's beautiful face. Yes. You can check our Instagram and Facebook at the Tales We Tell podcast. If you want to see photos but you don't do the social media, go to our website, thetaleswetellpodcast.com. Uh, that's where you can also send us emails uh, with questions or episode suggestions or whatever. Uh, if you want to support us, get yourself some sweet, sweet swag and go to the Redbubble store. Just search The Tales We Tell. Or if you want to support us without the stuff, but still a little appreciation, become a patron at patreon.com. Search The Tales We Tell. Patrons get early access, commercial-free listening, sometimes some fun bonus content, stickers, love notes... All that jazz. Yep. And I will try to pick a less terrible topic for next week, but no promises. We need another cryptid. It's been a while. I'll check my list. See what we got. All right. See you later. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Bye.